0: Welcome to Taurase Community Church. We hope this talk helps you in figuring it out because we believe that when people discover truth and love, they're able to face life in a different kind of way and come alive. If this talk is relevant for you and you wish to discover more, please head over to slash services And with that, we hope you enjoy today's talk.
1: you figure it out. And we started it by explaining that every day or every week you receive an invitation. And some of those invitations in life are simple and fun, like if you get invited to a Tupperware party or you get invited to a birthday party. But then other invitations are a little bit more serious and they change the trajectory of your life. So ones like um, (coughs) uh, getting married, having a baby, uh, workplace, they're all big invitations. And Jesus, when he came along, he gave us an invitation into a way of living. And if we can have that first slide up there, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. So he's inviting us into a way of living, into a a lifestyle of living um, and he's saying in this, he's saying that there's a lot of pathways on offer and there's a pathway that the majority of our culture and society and world will travel on. But he's saying he ha- it doesn't always end well. Well, he says it doesn't end well. But he says there's another pathway which is narrower, which a few people tread on. And at the end of that pathway and along that pathway, you're discovering life in all of its fullness. And so, the future, our future is a continuation of the present. So, and without Jesus helping us, um, the life we live right now will be what we will live tomorrow and the next day and the next day if, if we don't invite him into teaching us um, his way of living. Um, Because we are the product of our lifestyle, Um, your life, your uh, rhythms, your practices, your way of thinking, um, all those things create the life that you are currently living. And so Jesus in this is kind of saying, I have a way in which you can live Um, but not many people do it, but if you will learn to do my rhythms, if you will learn to do the things that I did, if you learn to spend time with me, and if you learn to become like me, you will experience life in all of its fullness. So... And then over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the different stages of what that might look like, what that might look like, say, if you're in your 20s, as opposed to what that's going to look like if you're in your 60s or your 70s, and that there are different things, that it takes a whole lifetime, that Jesus has given us this life for us to discover his way of living. And then last week, we talked about the steps of Um, becoming like Jesus, which is dealing with our shadow side or our sinful side, um, and how hard that is because that actually involves us handing our life and will over to God and entering into that. But it's also an invitation of hope. Everything Jesus is saying is about hope. And so sometimes in our world we may not feel a lot of hope or we might not feel there's a lot of opportunity or life, but Jesus is here inviting us into that And so last week we looked at how important it was to hand our life and our will over to to Him. And we also looked at the power of confession and the importance of talking to people about our shadow side, about our sinful side, so that then it can be released. Which leads us to steps uh, six and seven this weekend, which we're going to talk about. So the sixth step is we are entirely ready to have God remove our shadow side, our defects of character. And the seventh step is we humbly ask him
2: to remove our shortcomings. Um, this isn't so easy, is it? No, this is probably the hardest thing. Apart from um, stopping the behaviour that you're in a 12-step program to do, the next hardest thing is to radic- do that radical 180-degree turnaround and the hardest part of that is to look at where you're stuffed up um, and... Accept that you your responsibility in it. Um, it's so easy to blame, you know. It's what we normally do is blame other people, you know, them, those, and they. They did it. Um, not my fault. Um, I have reasons, you know. I've had a mucked up childhood, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we make excuses for ourselves. Um, I was in a hurry, you know. Things were, you know, stressful. Um, and we have to look at our our sins, our falling short, our behaviours from a different point of view where we take responsibility for them and actually look at our own part in them because you can't change what you don't acknowledge and you can't change uh, anything in other people. You can only change it in yourself. So it's a lifetime's work rooting out these bad habits
1: Because character's hard. In our culture, we don't talk about character anymore. I know in Wilberforce, when he wanted to change slavery, for example, he actually began by teaching people manners, (laughs) um, which was actually about character. I love this quote, and I think we've got it on the screen. I'm not sure. I can't remember. David Hunter writes, ''We've shifted from character to personality.'' His analysis is that as we have diversified ethnically and ethically, we no longer have a clear vision of the kind of person we want to grow and mature into and grow and mature our society into. The only world we have is tolerance, which isn't a virtue. It's simply a way to get along in a pluralistic culture. Mm -hmm. Whereas the thing when Jesus is actually saying... um, come follow me, he's actually saying, look at my character, look at who I am, model off me, isn't yes,
2: he? he is. And um, he, you know, you can look at Jesus' life very briefly and sh- in a shallow way and say, well, he was very tolerant. In actual fact, he was kind. It wasn't tolerance, it was kindness. It was that deep heart um, of compassion that um, made it possible for him to look beyond... The surface sin at what was the real person behind that you know i 'm thinking of the women he encountered, the woman at the well and um, the woman who was being stoned, um, he looked beyond the sin that the other the jews didn 't and they were throwing stones at her at the person yeah and, and that 's what we have to adopt we have to be able to see with eyes of kindness and compassion and empathy and uh,
1: and also see the character that Jesus actually had yes. in being able to do that.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. One of the things I did when I was very young, most things I did were really stupid. But one good thing I did when I was in my late teens was <clears throat> I got a new... In those days, it wasn't The Message. It was a different translation called Good... Um, I can't, no, it wasn't The Good News. It was a, Anyway, it was a more readable New Testament. And I read the the five gospels over and over and over again. I got to the end and then I went back to the beginning because I didn't know what this new life was supposed to be. Nobody seemed to explain it at church. Um, So I thought, well, if I've got to be like Jesus, I'll have to work out what Jesus was like. And of course you can work out what Jesus was like not only from what he said but from what he did. And those five gospels are really powerful if you keep reading them Mm.
1: But if we don't take an inventory of a shadow side, then our character doesn't grow. But not only that, um, any pain or tension we don't transform, we will re-transmit, uh, yes. won't we? Yeah. So, Dr uh, Phil
2: said that the best predictor of future... I think he's pretty good, you know. The be- <laughs> he, he can counsel people in half an hour. Amazing. Um, the best predictor of future behaviour is relevant past behaviour. Now, that is true of um, normal, you know, the wide road that leads to destruction. You can tell what people are going to do by looking at their relevant past behaviour because they do it over and over and over again. But surely, you know, life is meant... We're meant to learn something new. (laughs) And to be a Christian is radically something new. Um, Another useful quotation is from Carl Jung. He said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I've thought about that one a lot of times in my life. The unexamined life is not worth living. You've really got to look at your life and examine it. And in AA they have um, step number nine, I think it is, or ten. No. 10, um, where every day you do a daily inventory of yourself. You examine what you did, how you stuffed up, how you could have done better, whether you need to make amends for that. And um, that's I think that's what Jung is talking about. To make life worth living, you've got to keep correcting yourself and starting again.
1: Yeah, because we... We can justify our misery, which you touched on a little bit earlier, and some of the things that we do with our misery is like we've got uh, self-pity, which is, poor, which is really poor me, mm. self-centeredness, my feelings are the most important thing in the world, uh, greed, I want more, even though I have so much, I mean, it's so prevalent for Australia at the moment. Lust, misdirected drive towards sexual matters. Again, in in this culture anyway, when we've got one in four kids that are being sexually assaulted, we have a major lust problem in our culture. Mm. Uh, Envy, I want what others have. Jealousy, I don't want uh, others taking what is mine. Pride, I must be treated in accordance with my self-defined protocols. Intolerance, people should be better, I say. Impatience, hurry up and do it my way. Sloth, I can't be bothered. Arrogance, be more like me. Dishonest, management for narrative for gain. And for me, I kind of go those scripts, Those that they're deep within us and for me, I think that this is why people re-offend in a criminal system... Um, because they justify their misery. It's these scripts, isn't it, that mm. have to be changed. It's not the it's not the sin itself, because the sin itself isn't as damaging as the scripts that are
2: behind as it. The lying lying to yourself about it. Honesty with yourself. That's what honesty is about in this in this context. Um, being honest with yourself. If you're going to transform your character, you have to be brutally honest with yourself.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but these scripts are hard because they're so hidden and we do them. For me, that's where I found the Enneagram so helpful because it's helped me embrace my shadow side. So every day I feel like Jesus and I are on this different journey where I feel the Holy Spirit's prompting, kind of going, that's a script, Sharon, that's, that's your shadow side coming out there. You need to deal with that. Mm. Um, so it's these little nudges all
2: along. So, um, But it's hard to undo this. Yes. My shadow side is an eight, um, which is a very bossy um, number. Uh, (laughs) Sharon will appreciate this. And um, although I generally want people... I'm a two. um, That's my front side, (laughs) forward side. Um, Although I want people to like me and need me, as a two does, uh, there's a part of me that wants to kick them in the butt sometimes. And uh, I think I've detected it even in you. Sometimes. No,
1: no, never. No, never.
2: <laughs> and um, I wouldn't know that if it weren't for the enneagram either. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's just a really good tool to help you mm. embrace your sinful side and to yes. be able to do a daily inventory and to do a, a practical discipleship with Jesus every yes. single day.
2: By the way, I just want to say the enneagram was developed by the Christian Church in uh, many centuries ago by the Jesuits. And it was kept very much within within the the Catholic Church until this, the 1900s, the late 1900s. And uh, then it was uh, released to the world. So it is a Christian. The nine personality types are the the rainbow of God's character. Um, um, So if anybody's wondering about whether Sharon and I are talking about weird psychic stuff in the Enneagram, we're not... It is actually a a Christian instrument for examining your spirit and soul. And I think of a daily inventory as a bit like weeding out the road. You know, at my my home, I've got weeds growing everywhere and my husband gets really exercised and upset about this um, and I just think, well, that's nature, you know, weeds grow, thistles grow, just have to try and keep on top of it as best we can. But in in the new life, the narrow road, Um, the idea is to get rid of the weeds pretty as quickly as you can before they grow and take over.
1: Yeah. Mm. Because suffering and humiliation will deepen us, but it'll deepen us... um, So so we'll go deeper, but we'll either go deeper where our soul becomes soft and tender and compassionate or our soul will become harder Mm. um, and more difficult. And that's what happens with people in the criminal system or the justice system... Their soul becomes hard, um, so they've gone deeper mm. because they mo- their hardness might have been here, but then they've re- they've kept those scripts going, so then they've reoffended, and so their soul goes. Um, oh, should be going. Say so it's there. They go down here, and then down here, and then down here.
2: I think in, in most most of us know this hardening because I certainly do. Um, you know, you you get so I get so cross with myself. I'm always stuffing up and doing the very thing I. and I noticed that um, was it St Paul said that? I do the things Mm -hmm. I don't want to do and I don't do the things I ought to do and there's no health in me it's just really frustrating to keep having these weeds growing in my spiritual life but the the 12 step program says that you have to in the last three steps which are the maintenance steps, I've got the wrong one here um, it says that you Keep watching out for this sort of thinking and be honest when it happens and then try to stay connected to your new intention. Um, I, have to, I, I have to take all the rude words out of this because um, it's Russell Brand, you know. And look at life less selfishly and be nice to everyone, help people if you can. Um, a spiritual, the, the narrow way, I think, is a, a life which is very unself-focused and that's so hard to do I mean nearly everything we think in life or or believe in life is to do with ourselves getting my needs met you know everybody who's upset is not the the literature says they're not getting their, their own needs met but the other focused life is what Christ is calling us to and that's really difficult it's a completely New slant, isn't it? Because he's
1: actually inviting us to honesty. It's not mm. the sin,
2: because
1: mm. he actually knows that we're going to sin. So it's not, it's not the sin that's the problem, it's the honesty. Yes. You know, because um, we're only as Lying well, about the sin. Yeah, because we're only as well as our deepest secret, isn't it? Oh, we? yes,
2: that's right. We're only as healthy as. as well, as sick as our, our deepest secret. If you keep secrets, you're going to be unhealthy because you have to, as my mum used to say, a lie takes seven blankets to cover it, and those blankets are not good and then you 've got to remember all the blan- what the blankets were and um, you, go- you have to become devious um, and we 're all familiar with having with doing that because it 's a natural thing to do, but jesus says no you you 've got to be honest, really, really, really honest
1: yeah because mm. it 's the lying that 's the um, deepest sin that we can actually um, commit, because it's it's kind of like if we do something wrong and we cover it up and lie, our soul wasn't actually meant to cope with the dishonesty. So what happens is if we keep lying to ourselves or we keep those scripts or that shadow side going and we're lying about it, it's, it's not the actual sin. So for example, you might explode at someone or you might, I don't know, you might... Um, I don't know nick something from the supermarket um it's it's not that that's going to damage your soul it's the lying that you put around that action that's the most damaging thing and this is kind of like what the unforgivable sin against the holy spirit is often we people struggle to understand what that what that actually means but What Jesus is talking about is is, is that if you constantly lie to yourself to cover up, um, the soul becomes distorted, warped, fractured, and the Holy Spirit can no longer work. So it's, it's not that there's not enough forgiveness that the Holy Spirit or that God can offer us. It's that we're lying to ourselves so much that the Holy Spirit actually can't get access to us. So therefore, he cannot forgive us. We can't enter into that relationship with the Holy Spirit where he's cleaning and we're experiencing that process of repentance, confession. Uh, healing restoration reconciliation because we're actually lying and that's why we have to go deep because it's the lies it's not the actual outward sin it's not like the alcohol that's not that's not the issue it's the it's the the thinking on the inside that creates the the lack of honesty yeah Yeah. and so the more we are dishonest the more we lie the more we commit sins against the holy spirit and then the holy spirit can't actually work in us
2: Yes, and in case you, I, I think it's difficult sometimes to, to, um, to cope with all of this. But in the twelve steps, it says we are willing to let God, re- let God remove these defects of character. So basically, if you catch yourself lying and being dishonest, you may you say a prayer that God will remove that. Um, it's you hand yourself back to God because it's really hard to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's why we need yeah. Jesus. That's yes. why we need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's healer. You know, that's the most beautiful part I find personally about my relationship with the Holy Spirit is, is that every time he touches something and says, I want you to change in this area, it's actually hope, but it's also healing. And it's always... Uh, filled with love and compassion and tenderness, but also firmness, like, mm. come on, Shaz, <laughs> this isn't good. The other thing that I find really interesting is Satan's called the prince of lies rather than prince of weakness. Mm. So it's, it's Satan, lies, Satan not can weakness. keep us mm. in, in the lying as opposed to the sin.
2: Yeah. I, I think that um, when it comes to making amends... You know, I think the most simple example is if, if, you, if I say something hurtful to somebody and then I want to make amends for that. The, I try to do it as quickly as I can uh, these days because otherwise it, um, thinking about doing it is painful I don't like pain. So as soon as I realise I've hurt someone, I may have hurt someone's feelings by something I've said, I try to go to them and sort it out and apologise and say I'm sorry And um, if I need to explain. It doesn't always work though, I don't know if you've noticed this, Um, when I got sober after a few months I decided that I should make amends to the uh, Director of Education for my district because I didn't feel that I had worked well enough as a teacher in the last year or two of my of my teaching nobody seemed to have noticed but i i felt that i'd done that and he received me very coldly and uh, wouldn't meet my eyes and uh, just kept you know keeping busy and i said to him do you find um mr so-and-so that there are quite you know you, there are a few teachers who have an alcohol problem an active alcohol problem in this area and he said no no never come up never come across it no it doesn't happen And um, I felt really bad about that. But it doesn't say in the 12 steps that you've got to make them forgive you. You just have to try to make amends. You're willing to make amends. We'll have um, our
1: response up to them, isn't it?
2: Their response is up to them. And
1: that's got nothing to do with your healing. Nothing, no,
2: no. It still took me a while to... It does take a while. ...self-soothe.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because that's steps eight and nine... Steps 8 says, we made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all, which is what Jesus um, implores us to do. We make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except where to do so we'd injure them or others. And the thing is, is that in making the amends, what you're doing is you're unravelling um, the lies which hmm. is at the crux of the yes. sin. So by it's a, another form of confession. Hmm. So every time we confess, we're, we're breaking the chain. I love this quote by John of the Cross. He said, The soul is like a bird and that a bird is bound to the ground just as effectively by a light thread as by a heavy chain. In either case, it cannot fly. When we try to make amends, and that often begins with transparency, we break the chain and then we can begin to fly. That's the invitation, isn't it?
2: Mm. Yeah, making amends at least makes you feel better, even if the other person is not comforted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You tried. Yeah. Um. I've lost my train of thought. Um, Steps 10, 11, and 12 say we continue to take a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11 says we sought out prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12 is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to addicts or sinners and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So this is this, these whole 12 steps are talking about process, aren't they? Mm. Um, yep. and, and it's the process of um, confession, the process of... Um,
2: Making amends.
1: Making amends, the process of loving your neighbour yeah. because in making amends you're trying love. to love, Don't aren't you? Me. You're trying to increase yeah. that love yeah. thing. But it's also a real relationship with between God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, aren't you? Because you're asking the Holy Spirit to come in and yes. transform and change. Yeah. You're accepting Jesus' death on the cross yeah. and then you're expe- accepting the big Father heart of God for you. Yeah. So it's kind of like this living relationship relationship with father son and spirit on a daily basis isn't it as opposed to i'm just going to attend church once a sunday sing the songs listen to the message go home
2: yes it's about what would jesus do in this situation yeah. on a daily basis on a on, on an even um, an hourly basis what how would he handle it uh, so i know people wear those little bands that say what well, ww what would jesus do what would jesus do but it's keeping it in your mind all the time that's the reshaping of your attitude Uh, one easy step to fall back on is an attitude of gratitude Um, if you can hold in your heart an attitude of gratitude on a daily hourly basis for all that has been that god has done for you it's very hard to feel uh, mean and angry and and a victim um, they don't coexist <laughs> at all. Um, so an attitude of gratitude is a is a general um, approach that I think it's helped me a lot. Just it helps that. you see what, what God's
1: doing yes, and where he yeah. is, isn't it?
2: It, it? You put your positive, uh, coloured, your rose-coloured lenses on instead of your blue-coloured lenses, yes, to see the world. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. it's a hard world to look at sometimes, yeah. isn't it?
1: But if we don't enter into um, a real spirituality, we end up being religious, and this is why the church has come unstuck over mm-hmm. and over again. This is why priests can abuse children. This is why Christians can abuse children. This is why um, um, we, we see leaders commit, having affairs, committing adultery, all those kinds of things, because they're not actually in this intimate, daily living kind of relationship. With the Father, Son and the Spirit. Mm. And so that's why they can do stuff but then lie to themselves and lie to the world about what's going on.
2: Yeah, even in small ways. I remember back in 1973 um, saying to the rector's wife at an Anglican church I was going to uh, that I would like to join the Mother's Club. And she looked at me doubtfully and said, oh, I don't think we have divorced women in the Mother's Club. Um, You know, that was a different era... Admittedly, but it still came like a bucket of cold water all over me. Um, and I, don't, I still don't think it was a Christian remark to make. Jesus wouldn't have said it, would he? No. No. So it's very easy to um, stuff up.
1: Yeah, very easy. Yeah. yeah. I've got this... Um, was there anything else you wanted to share? Otherwise I'm going to share this last quote.
2: There was one thing I wanted to share it was in, um, I found it in the back part of the message. It it relates to your, uh, if I can only find it now, here we are. It relates to what you're about to say. So I'm I'm introducing what you're going to say. Spiritual health is, in Jude, the Apostle's words, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of, ...of our Master Jesus Christ. Healthy living, in other words, is finding life in Jesus. Keeping your arms outstretched.
1: Yeah, that's so beautiful. So the invitation to let go of our shadow side... ...is so we can receive Jesus' invitation to do life... ...like he would do it. And there's this beautiful quote... ...which I came across from Ronald Reilheiser. So I'm just going to read it out. It is long, but I want you to grab... The beauty of it, because it's kind of... I've been mulling over it uh, for a couple of weeks now. God in both nature and scripture is over-generous, over-lavish, over-extravagant, over-prodigious, over-rich and over-patient. If nature, scripture and experience are to be believed, God is the absolute antithesis of everything that is stingily, stingy, miserly, frugal Narrowly calculating or sparing. God is prodigal. I want you to think about that. He is prodigal. Because often when we think about prodigal, we think about the story of the prodigal son. So we think about naughtiness. But that's not what it means. Dictionaries define prodigal as wastefully extravagant and lavishly abundant. That certainly describes the God that Jesus incarnates and reveals. In the parable of the sower, God the sower goes out to sow and he scatters his seed generously, almost wastefully everywhere, on the road, among the rocks, among the thorns, on bad soil and on rich soil. No farmer would ever do this. Who would waste seed on soil that can never produce a harvest? God, it seems, does not ask that question, but simply keeps scattering his seed everywhere, over-generously, without calculating, whether it is a good investment or not in terms of a return. And it seems that God has an infinite number of seeds to scatter perpetually everywhere. God is prodigious beyond imagination." This speaks of God's infinite riches, love and patience. For us, there is both a huge challenge and a huge consolation in that. The challenge, of course, is to respond to the infinite number of invitations that God scatters on our path from minute to minute. The consolation is that no matter how many of God's invitations we ignore, there will always be an infinite number of others. No matter how many we have already ignored or turned down, there are new ones awaiting us each minute. When we have ignored a thousand invitations, there is still another one waiting. God is prodigal, and so are the chances God gives us. For every invitation to maturity we have accepted, we have probably turned down a hundred. But that is the beauty and the wonder of God's richness. God is not a petty creator and creation itself is not a cheap mechanism with barely enough energy and resources to keep it going. God and nature are prodigal and millions and millions of life-giving seeds blow everywhere in the world and we need only to pick up a few to become pregnant, can't pronounce that word, fecund, to be capable of newness, maturity and of introducing life. Isn't that amazing? And that's the whole journey, is, is that God has so much goodness for us. And that's the whole process, is because the invitation, we started with an invitation in this series, we're ending with this beautiful
2: invitation of God's. Yes. Um, and the lovely thing is, if you muck up this opportunity that God gives you, there's another one coming, and another one, and another one, and another one. That's, you know, the generosity of God that he he lets us try and do it wrongly and do it again and do it again and feel good when you've done it perhaps right for once.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and to keep going. We're going to um, just pause for a moment. and uh, um, we just, We're going to pray and then I'm just going to ask Katie and the team to come up and just lead us in one more song. But uh, how about we just close our eyes and bow our heads... Father, I just thank you for uh, what you've been teaching us through this series. You're trying to help us to figure out this thing called life, this invitation that um, Jesus gave to us to, um, to follow your way, to follow the narrow pathway. Jesus, I just thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that... You made a pathway possible for us to have uh, a different kind of life, to, to really live life well. And I thank you also for the fact that you invite us into this real relationship where we can be very real, where, Holy Spirit, you come and you, you touch things in our life and in our, in our situations and you kind of go, you know what, that thinking, it's not good. That thinking is not going to produce the fruit that you want in your life. It's not going to produce that abundant, beautiful life that you want. You need to hand that over to me so that I can heal and restore that. I love that you do that. I love the compassion and the kindness and that you're interested in me enough to want to do that. And all you ask is for me to just hand my will and my life over to you in that moment. It's not this big grand gesture, but just in that moment of whatever you've touched, that you just want me to hand it over. And somehow, and there is mystery in this, and this is the invitation that we've just read about, the invitation to this abundant hopeful life, that in, in doing that, there's mystery, and somehow we're made different, we're changed. So I thank you for this invitation of this life that you're inviting us into. May we be a real church, an authentic church. May we be a confessional church. May we be a loving church. May we be a church that wants to be like Jesus, to be with you and to do the things that you did. I just praise you and thank you. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed this talk. We've created a free resource for this series, which is available for you over at toweracecommunitychurch.com.au/services. You'll find links in the description. We are praying for you. Have a great week.